Hey there. You're listening to What the Riff, a podcast that takes you back through the years from 1965 to 1995, featuring a rock album of the month, a few staff picks, and a little more. We hope you'll find something you haven't heard in a while, along with a few deeper cuts that you may never have heard, or that you'll find a new artist to follow. Visit our website, whattheriff.com, where our blog will show you all the artists we've covered, as well as a list of every track. Thanks to our sponsors, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So it's time to turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev open arms talks at a summit in Iceland. The Nobel Peace Prize is awarded to Eli Weisel. And the centennial of the Statue of Liberty's dedication is celebrated in the New York Harbor. This is October 1986. We're What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And bringing this album as special guest to the show, Eric Von Hessler, WSB's only Von Hessler Doctrine. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a blast to be here. So what album did you bring us? I brought you Scar But Smarter by Driving and Crying, October 1986. Now this is this is kind of early for for driving the kind of first, first album. One? Excellent. They got together in 1985, and this is their first album, and I love it for several reasons, which I guess we'll get into. But number one is it's a shoestring budget album made in uh, Athens, I believe, and uh, even though it's shoestring, made in I think late '85, maybe early '86. Uh, if you listen to it, they're, they're listening to the Beatles. They're listening to other bands, well, and they're figuring. There's an REM feeling. There is an REM. There is. I would say it goes both ways, and we can get into that a little bit later. Peter Buck has said that "Driving and Crying" is his favorite album. There are, you know, we have to pick four songs off this album, and so I had to leave off a lot that I like. Uh, but there's a song on there called "You Mean Everything," and I would challenge people to listen to that. And then go to uh, Green by R.E.M. and listen to a song called "You Are the Everything," and and I say that with uh, <laughs> with open spirit so, because so, I think so. They played a Led Zeppelin and kind of borrowed. It's no, an no, homage. No. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I think it's uh, cross pollination. Is that the way to put it? <laughs> cross pollination. Uh, it, there was a lot of respect between the two bands, and uh, Peter Buck, uh, as I said, is has said that Driving and Crying is his favorite album. So now, this is the title song off the album, correct? This is the title song, yeah. I'm sorry, Peter Buck said their favorite, his favorite band, not his favorite album. <laughs> <laughs> now, you did a movie Called on this. Scarred But Smarter, yeah. Yeah, and everybody like, calls it Scared But Smarter. Well, you know, this was a problem when I decided to call the movie Scarred But Smarter. I was warned by people around the band, you know, uh, people mistake us and call it Scared But Smarter. And it's a it's a song that changes people's lives, and they'll come up to me and say, "This song changed my life." And then they'll say, "Scared but smarter." And I'm thinking, "Well, how could it change your life if you don't even really know the uh, <laughs> the name of the song?" But it's okay, I accept it. <laughs> now this is really rocking. I mean, yeah. this is sort of uh, kind of punkish a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it is. It's uh, you know, when I was. It, it took four years to make the movie. I was interviewing a lot of people and following the band around. And there's a lot of stories that I couldn't source, uh, but more than one person told me that uh, Cobain loved this album. Uh, there's a story about uh, uh, Nirvana before they were big uh, coming through it. So this is when they're a cult favorite before, before Nevermind. 
and uh, two different people told me a story about a party in Athens that everybody was at, and Cobain was there, and uh, Cobain was trying to find Kevin Kinney to let him know that he may have lifted a thing or two here or there. <laughs> That's unsourced. It's unsourced, but told to me by more than one person. So this was uh, very influential underground at the time when it came out. Now, when you say, Eric, that it changed people's lives, what exactly are you, are you well, talking about? The song, well, that's the great thing about driving and crying. Driving and crying is always positive. Kevin Kinney writes positive songs. And he said that it's not as if he doesn't get angry. He does get angry. He just lets other artists sing that anger for him. When he sings, he sings to himself on stage. And he can't sing negativity back to himself. Hmm. So the song Scarred But Smarter, in particular, is one of those songs that's about, um, you know, picking yourself up by your bootstraps, getting out there and making it happen. And uh, there's another song later on we'll talk about called Stand Up and Fight For It, which is very much sends it home, which is, you know, live the life that you want to live. Don't allow other people to pigeonhole you into living a life that you don't want to live. You only live once. Get out there and fight for it. Now the name of this song? Keys to Me, which is uh, a great, uh, basically a person that maybe is difficult with the significant others in their their lives uh, and just kind of thinking, boy, I wish somebody knew how to deal with me, basically. I wish somebody had the keys to me because I don't know what they are. That's (laughs) one that got some airplay. Uh, That was one I recognized off of the album. It was certainly, uh, it was, uh, I don't know how much, it probably got airplay on college radio at the time, I would imagine. I don't know that it ever charted. But you know a song I heard coming at you, Keys to Me? I hear a little B-52s with strobe light. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And this is all coming out of a lot of the same area. Even though Driving and Crime was an Atlanta band, obviously, Athens and Atlanta in the mid-80s were kind of going back and forth. I picked Bringing Home the Bacon as one of the four here, uh, not because I had to leave off really great songs, but Kevin told me once uh, that uh, Bring Home the Bacon, he was very, he's really influenced by the Beatles. And so when something like When I'm 64 comes up on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, uh, this is the kind of thing where you go from high rocking to something like this and a song like this. And Driving and Crying and Kevin's... uh, Every album, they want to seem like your favorite, your, your album collection. So it's not the same thing over and over and over again. Right. It's like, oh, I like this album because it's hard. I like this album because it says something. It's like putting your music on shuffle. You're going to exactly. get something, something different. That's you, exactly. And you want to have it that way. That's how Kevin listens to music almost Unless all the time. you're driving and you want to go about 100 miles an hour and you just yeah. go, okay. <laughs> driving songs. Even the name. You know, you're <laughs> sometimes they're driving. Sometimes, sometimes they're crying. Well, yeah. that's yeah, that's it's all right there in there. It's the idea behind it to a certain degree. And um, I'm I know Tim Nielsen, who's the bass player, one of the other original uh, players in that. And I, I, I talked to him last summer, and I go, "Hey, are you still building?" Because he was build, a home builder. Yeah. That's how I met him. And he goes, "Actually, no. We're actually picking up, and we're yeah. actually touring." And, oh, they're and in, now they're all over the place. They've been in Europe now for about a month doing a bunch of shows with Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, I, Kevin's been back and forth with me. I think he's kind of lonely over there, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's a, that's a long time to be out there. Um, and so he's, they've, they've been over there for a good long time. They just put out an album called uh, Live to Love Beautiful, which is stunning. Stunning. Just came out uh, this year. Stunning album. Uh, they're not done. I mean, they, they, they have continued to get in the van. Go to places, keep on singing. This is what 
This is what they do, and I think that they are make they are busier now than they've been in many many years. Yeah. They they really sound good. They they played over at the Buford Community Center a uh, year and a half ago, and just fantastic. I mean, they they have a, a great sound. One of my favorite things, you know, as you can, as you can listen, what you're hearing here, the strangeness of it all is being pigeonholed. You know, the idea that they're a southern rock band is really kind of absurd and probably based on Straight to Hell more than anything right. else. What's well, a um, positive song? It's a positive yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. 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 I, I go, well, it's positive in the fact that he, he dealt with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they have uh, – the, the thing is, is they were an Atlanta band. I remember them doing – uh, four nights at the Fox. Yes, back in the back, I would say that was when smoke came. That was when smoke yeah. came out, and that was you know that's why Tim you know thought I was you know kind of cool because he asked me if I had if I knew knew him. I go man, I got smoke on my yeah. iPod, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, all right, now I can deal with this guy. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's um, but they they really were kind of a regional group, and they've now really kind of pushed themselves outside of that. And like you said, they're in Europe. They've gone up to. Yeah. Uh, Kevin have, Kenny is lives in New York. Does well, Kevin's back here now. He lived okay. in New York for a number of years. He now lives uh, in Atlanta again. Uh, he's just remarried and uh, just bought a just get in a new place now in the Highlands. And so yeah, he's back. He's back in in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, they just uh, to me, I like artists and writers, songwriters. First of all, I like songwriters who write songs. I'm not a big jam band guy. I mean, I'm not against them or anything, but I'm I'm a fan of the four to six minute pop song or rock song, and uh, I'm also a fan of people who can keep doing it over time. And Kevin Kinney is one of those people who's yeah, the one that yeah. Bubblegum Factory. Bubblegum Factory they, they was had, they had um, to me my favorite one is Detroit City. It's like oh my goodness, this thing just <laughs> blasts out the speakers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they don't have any bad albums. And in, in my some people smoke is a little bit controversial with people, but uh, it, so maybe somebody here or there isn't a huge fan of that one. It's Kevin's favorite, whether being rebellious or not, I don't know. But it's his favorite. But some people, but you know, right up to their last album, which just came out, like I said, uh, they just keep doing it, and I like that. I'm I'm not a huge. I mean, I like people who do one song or one single. I'm not against one hit wonders because it's hard to have a hit. Well, they, right. have, they yeah. realistically, they have four hits. Yes. They, you yeah. know, Going Straight to Hell, which was just recently covered by Darius Rucker. Yeah. Uh, then they had... Uh, Climate Courageous. Yeah. yeah. Rush Hour. Rush Hour, no. Rush Hour would be, but uh, I would say, let's see, Honeysuckle Blue. Rose. Yeah. And then uh, the fourth one that I would throw in would be... Uh, um, well, like the Let's Go Dancing to me is okay. something that I would put but they, in that. But Whether have, or not it was a hit, I don't know, but yeah, it should have been. But those are ones you just, if you if you heard them, you're going, oh, man, this is a great rock song. Yeah. I just I really just appreciate his voice. It's unique to me, and I think that's really he a does cool, have a unique voice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, the closest one that I can think of to his voice, although the style isn't the same, is maybe Dave Edmonds or something like that, kind of going in that direction a little bit. Yeah, but it's unique. We've talked quite a bit on our podcast about different artists, and never is there just the standard you know, person that just sounds like a, a normal singer. It's always they have something weird. Is, is it being someone, Getty Lee, that has the high voice, right. or Steve Perry, or someone someone else. It's always someone that has that unique voice that, that, that sets them apart. 
being memorable. A, it's yeah. your brand. Yeah, being a uh, rock and roll singer is to, you're not your voice isn't judged the same way as it is if you're an opera singer or some other kind of, you know, uh, Billy Corgan. I don't think many music teachers would go, "Hey, that's a great voice." But <laughs> that's it's awesome. a great. It's a great rock and roll voice, and yeah. there's a difference there. And then there are, you know, then there are people like McCartney and Lennon who would have great voices no matter what age they were. Yeah. yeah. And they still, well, one of them still does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Eric. Thank we're you. We'll move on now to our entertainment track. And uh, we'll continue on with the podcast. Oh, one of Eric's favorite bands, the Rolling yes. Stones, it's Jumpin' little, Jack Flash. No, it's 86. It's not, uh, this is not but the right time. the movie Jumpin' Jack Flash came oh, out. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Oh. It was Penny Marshall's first director to debut here. So this is Whoopi Goldberg. Um, I think I saw this, and I don't remember it being any good. <laughs> <laughs> it left that kind of impression, huh? Now, the other album, I, uh, other song I put on here that we might want to do, but uh, it was Peggy Sue Got Married by Buddy Holly. But that came out at the same time. So I put it on there just in case whatever one we wanted to do. Well, that was actually a good movie. That was. Yeah. That yeah. was. It was a good date movie, actually, because it kind of had the, oh, I'm going to divorce this guy because he's cheating on me, and blacking out and going back in her past and trying to go with the hardcore guys. Well, that was back in the day, too, if you recall. Kathleen Turner could not do anything wrong. Oh, yeah. Right. She, she's on the screen. I'm watching. <laughs> we had Soul Man. You guys remember that one? I, that was uh, that wouldn't fly these days. I don't <laughs> think that's I'd be getting in trouble. I don't think that one would fly Where these days. Where a white man takes, <laughs> takes <laughs> darkening pill, tanning pills. It's been brought to reality to here in the 2009. <laughs> Now, here's one. I know another favorite of yours. David Byrne came out with True Stories. Yeah, that's, which was, you know, I, I, I enjoy that movie because I enjoy David Byrne. I think it's difficult to say that it's a realized. There are parts of that movie that are fantastic, uh, but I don't think you can call it a fully formed, fully baked great movie, especially coming off of Stop Making Sense, which was directed by Jonathan Demme and is nearly perfect. There's some cheating in that movie. You know, all of a sudden it breaks down into basically music videos. And, you know, oh, what, am I, what am I watching here? All right, the big one was Children of the Lesser God. Yeah. And if you remember, that, that was the... That was an amazing movie, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, we looked at what Marley Matlin was able to do. And she that. won an Oscar for that. Fantastic. Yeah, that was a, yeah, I only saw that once then, and that was a powerful movie. Yeah. But I've been scarred... Let's, let's go ahead, start bleeding from the hands at one point, and is that the same movie? No, is this it? is. This, I don't. Am think I thinking so. of a different one? Yeah, uh, but I, I have to say though, I'm scarred with Mar Marley Matlin uh, after watching the Seinfeld episode where she was reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> then you had Tough Guys, which is Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas joined up. You're talking about some two aging actors at that time. Did they film it in a cemetery? <laughs> <laughs> Kirk Douglas is still alive. Yeah, he's, he's, he's 102 or 102. Uh, yeah, yeah. 105. I, I saw an interview with him, and it was like, oh, yeah, no, he's this, 100. Yeah, Give him a break. Yeah. All right. All right. We're in October of '86, uh, so we obviously have our Halloween movie. It was Trick or Treat. And what was special about this one is Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne had had just small ro roles. Some in cameo it. appearances, yeah, eh? Exactly. Was it a slasher? I don't I know. know. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get into those. That yeah, was me either. That was all Jason and all that other stuff yeah. going on. And the one that I, I think most people will remember from this time was The Color of Money. Yes. That yeah. was the, the Paul Newman, Tom Cruise yep. sequel. Uh, sequel to Hustler. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That, was, that To me, I thought 
I thought the Hustler is a little better, but you know, this just because yeah. of that, you kind of got that grittiness. Jackie this, Gleason. Yeah, this one, I didn't know anybody that actually played pool for money at that time. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I thought, and it was uh, it was kind of over the top. Tom Cruise. It was, it was a good movie. It was yeah. it was a good movie. It, it wasn't the classic yeah. that the Hustler was. And did Scorsese made it, didn't he? Yeah, was yeah. It, was it, yeah. yeah. Sure and uh, Eric Clapton had a hit off that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The way that you do it, or yeah. something like yeah. that. It's in the way yeah. that you use it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna move on to staff picks now. And whose staff pick is this? This would be my staff pick. All right, Bruce, Bruce. what you got? This is Tim Buck 3. Not Tim Buck 2, but Tim Buck 3. This is uh, One Hit Wonder, um, and this is off of their debut album, Greetings from Tim Buck 3. And I picked this one out because I was at Georgia Tech at the time, and this was a very popular song because there were people that studied nuclear science. They didn't love their classes, but they, they did study it. I bought this album, actually. Did you really? Yeah. For a one-hit wonder, it's it's the kind you want to have because people still say it. I was watching uh, I was yeah. watching a football game a couple weeks ago, and somebody said, oh, the future's so bright, he's got to wear shades. <laughs> That's a good one-hit wonder if that many years go. later. So it was a husband and wife team, uh, Pat and Barbara McDonald. And um, this was also a pretty popular song for graduations and things like that. But it wasn't intended that way. Of course. They, uh, they were not saying this in a very positive way. Um, the futures being so bright, what do you think that was? Nuclear blast. There you go. <laughs> it was more of a nuclear holocaust yeah. thing. Yeah. But that wasn't really the so way it was. So it was all tongue in cheek, huh? Yeah, a little sarcastic. Bit. Yeah, a little sarcastic. But, uh, but yeah, this was, uh, it was a. Uh, the job waiting for him after graduation was to facilitate the war. Was kind of the idea. <laughs> Wasn't this a uh, a song and introduction for one of those uh, one of those TV shows? I want to say I want to say they had a TV show. Oh, I don't know. It may have been. Could could be. It was. You, you know. Do you remember the movie DOA with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, where he's poisoned the very front of the movie and goes through the rest of the movie trying to figure out who killed him? I didn't see that. Tim Buck Three was one. It was a house band in that movie, so I know they were they were involved. I remember with. off that album a, a line. There's a, it's there's a song in there about uh, war and everything, and it's just, uh, all the uh, toys that are uh, military toys that kids get. And there was a line from one of the other songs that said, "It's World War Three underneath my Christmas tree." That's the only thing that stuck with me after all this. <laughs> that was a big thing, though. Yeah. I haven't heard that line in, yeah. a, in a telecast for NFL lately. But. No, 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 no. That one didn't know. That was, that, that was not from the one hit. That was a deep track. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a lot of artists that were, were kind of anti-war at the time. It was, that was big. But when you hear the harmonica, who do you think of first? Who do I think of? I think of Huey Lewis. That's who I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think of Magic Dick from Jay Giles' band. Okay. okay. And uh, it's got like kind of a freeze frame. Very underrated album, kind of riff. Oh, well, on that. actually, that's one of the albums we've got kind of lined up in the future. I'm glad you're you welcome to bring it up. Uh, next not time. enough people talk about that album. They did well with that. So anyway, this was—I just had to bring this one up just because for me this takes me straight back to 1986 because I heard this so much. What kind of shades did you have? What kind of shades? I, now, I did, in high school, have the Ferrari. Do you remember the Ferrari glasses, the ones that folded up into yeah. a single? Wow, thing? you were cool. Absolutely. <laughs> what about the ones with the leather on the side? The goggles? Those are coming back, but that's usually because people dress up like, what, what do they uh, call It's them? like 80s night or something? Yeah. Or? <laughs> All right, moving on, next staff yep. pick. And is this Rob? Yep, Rob this is me. This. 
Okay, so this is from 1986 album Whiplash Smile. It's William Michael Albert Broad. Oh, yeah, I remember him from Generation X. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, from the English London punk rock band Generation X, otherwise known as Billy Idol. And I, I heard that uh, he wanted to use the name Billy Idol, I-D-L-E, but there was a, uh, Eric Idol. Yeah, from Monty yeah. Python. And uh, so he said that uh, he, he said he uh, uh, wanted to change it to Billy Idol, I-D-O-L. And uh, on a sidebar, he also said that his chemistry referred to his chemistry teacher referred to him as Idol, like he didn't do anything. He was just Idol. Right. There Idle minds, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so this was uh, uh, Billy Idol's second top ten hit, and it made it to number six in the charts. It's an old song. I mean, oh, really? it kind of has that feel to it, but it was actually written by Booker T. Jones and William Bell in 1968. And if you look that up, have a listen to it. It's actually called I Forgot to Be Your Lover, and it made it all the way to number 45 in 1968. Well, you can hear that, and that backbeat sounds almost yeah. even older than that, almost almost 50s. Yeah, and it, um, it, so it's a lot slower, as you can imagine, but it's pretty interesting to go back and listen to that one and then listen to this you one. You know, it's amazing. Now we have the Internet to be able to go back and look at it, but, but in the 80s you had all these groups kind of going back, hey, I remember this song when I was growing mm-hmm. up. I remember Joan Jett doing Crimson and Clover. Right. Yeah. And when you heard that, you're going, oh, oh, that's a nice song. And then, you know, we're young at the time. We didn't help. Most of us weren't even born when the song came right. out. And then yeah. when you come out and you Well, yeah, you had Bananarama it. doing uh, Venus, and you had uh, um, Quiet Riot doing Come On, Feel the Noise. Well, part of that, was, I think, was uh, a reaction to the 70s with uh, the long, you know, the one song on a whole album, right. long drum solos. The 80s kind of went back a little bit to the 50s as far as sort of four-minute songs and, yeah, you know, that, right. that sort of thing. And people used to even say then, you know, Eisenhower, Reagan. There was a, there was a lot that was, you know, 80s to 50s kind of thing. Right. So the uh, guitarist on this is uh, Steve Stevens, and he won a Grammy for a major motion picture that he uh, wrote uh, the theme to. Oh, what movie what was is that? that? Top Gun. Oh. The Top Gun anthem. I think I've oh. heard of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think they're remaking that one. Yeah. Or, or I've seen 40 years in the future or something like I that. I believe that I have seen all I think I've seen Top Gun but never in a row. Uh, just, just all my life yeah, I've seen snippets. 15 minute parts and I think now I've seen it all. That's kind of like how people do the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, you know, yeah, a little, a little bit, bit at a time. And then later you can tell people I walked the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. <laughs> I've done yeah. the entire Appalachian Trail, but I've done the width. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went you the entire the, width. You, you walked across. <laughs> That's right. The Appalachian Trail. <laughs> I'm going to use that one. Well, uh, Steve Stevens did play for Michael Jackson, Rick Ocasek, Robert Palmer. He was the session guitarist for them, so pretty good, pretty good guitarist. I like, the, I like the name of the album. Whiplash Smile. That is a good one. He had that. He had that Elvis Presley smile with and a sneer. The it, sneer. It yeah. has an, an Elvis feel to it too. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. it? I look forward to the day he comes back to the Tabernacle because that's on my bucket list. Is, is he? He is. He is touring. You know, at that time there was a, uh, a little controversy that happened in my hometown of Rochester, New York. But we won't go into it. It happened at a Howard <laughs> Johnson's, and uh, it was a big scandal, and it was a court case. Moving on, we got Brian with his staff pick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm sure we all recognize this song. It's uh, from Glass Tiger, 
A Canadian band. No, I don't. It you doesn't don't rock recognize me. Oh, I remember Glass Tiger. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hated them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Eric and I agree on really something. There, Eric. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, they were, this is their first album. And that was released initially in January of 1986. And it's the uh, first song from uh, their album, The Thin Red Line. And this song actually reached number one in Canada. It was re-released in the uh, United States and uh, in later the summer. It actually went up to number two. And guess who you're about to hear in the chorus here singing uh, background? Let's see if you can recognize this voice. Oh, never no. mind. That's the second part. Gonna have to wait. wait, 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 wait I, I, is it George Michael's? Because it certainly sounds like yeah, George Michael's really. song. Well, it's it's a good guess, but yeah. he's the, the, but the guy backing it up is from Canada as well. We featured him on a previous. Yeah. Brian Adams. And he was he was huge at the time. Oh yeah, he couldn't so. do anything wrong. That was the thing that got me about this. The, the song. I didn't have a problem with the song itself, but I was like, you know, you're kind of inserting Brian Adams just to get that. You yeah. Know, just so people yeah. say, hey, that's Brian Adams. Let's listen to this song. But close your eyes, and you don't know who. Isn't it sound like a wham oh, song yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah but here you go with brian unfortunately adams. so <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen mr brian adams oh not no, yet no, man, I'll you gotta you. wait for the hey, second you need to listen to these songs beforehand i left you <laughs> i, I left you hanging there i was oh, yeah. thinking no, brian guy, adams this, doesn't come up here we go, until here we go. later there he is yeah. i tell you he's in there somewhere yeah. this guy lives glass tiger you know. <laughs> Absolutely, it's on my. I actually still have the poster. No, I don't. <laughs> but anyway, this guy, this album was produced by a gentleman by the name of James Valance or Jim Valance, and this is a guy who did a lot of songwriting with Brian Adams. So there okay. is that connection there. And this is uh, he's, he produ- has some production work in his past, but essentially the story goes that he picked them up from the airport and basically says, well, to break the ice, he says, well, what kind of music do you guys like? And they said something like, oh, we like to. The, the bands that were popular so he says well let's see what you got and basically they came up with this song on the first day that they got together to write and they actually cut the song on that first day okay. very good but some of their influences uh, now uh, here here's where brian adams comes in i believe oh, i think he just did oh, there, you go. there he is he didn't let me down that day. he only did that four times so. that's right <laughs> but they were greatly influenced by tears for fears and so you can hear some of that where everybody wants to rule the world kind of has that same shuffle yeah and so you know when you hear the shuffle in that song then you can they really like that little swing balance went with it i mean he had to you know he kind of it was tough with him in some areas but yeah. if that's what you like let's see how it sounds and by golly got him all the way up to the you know the top of the charts in canada and then number two as i mentioned who would they lose to or do they got get to the number one spot do you guys remember a song that when i think of you by janet jackson janet jackson oh yeah she was my huge name is janet miss jackson if you're nasty <laughs> well i have other top songs of uh october 1986 typical male by tina turner cindy lopper had true colors that was that's huge great, that's yeah. a very good song genesis throw it all away and probably the worst song to ever make it to the top 10 don johnson's heartbeat oh. <laughs> that made it to the top ten because Miami Vice was on uh, TV. There's no uh, other reason. That's right. That's right. But this song actually, you know, surprisingly, not surprisingly, but it actually was on the charts for 24 weeks. This one? Yeah. Well, it's great. I mean, in, in, until the next Wham! album came that's out, right. why not? <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, right. I don't think there were any more Wham! albums then. Right. It's just George Michael. Well, we're moving to something a little better, I think. Oh, oh, now, 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 now. Hey, this man is all about the glass tiger. That's it's right. Not, uh, That's it's, right. It's all subjective, people. Hold that tiger. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Kind of recognize this a little bit. Starts a little upbeat. Nice 
guys Sex. Wait, no, wrong song. Not sex. <laughs> I was, I was I'm thinking a, little Pink Floyd there yeah. myself. Now, guys, this is Berlin. Will I ever understand you? Is a song. You guys know where they're from? Uh, I'm gonna guess Germany. You are wrong. They're from <laughs> they're from California. Orange I saw County. them in California, so it's, I didn't know that's where they were from. But I, I have seen them live. Did hasn't Terry Gunn reunited re, uh, the some of the band members? And yes. she's touring as Terry Gunn and Berlin. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and if you guys remember, about six months ago there was a tour on a they were doing actually on a cruise ship. It was the 80s tour. Yeah. And so I tried to get these goobers to go with me or anything, and no one wanted to do it. Everybody, I've never done one of those. Are I, they fun? I, 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 I've, never... I haven't, I've been on a cruise ship, but I haven't been on the 80s one. But right. there were so many. The B-52s were there. It's so It was, but that yeah, Terry Gunn is the lead singer, and she has the name. And, and we'll talk about them later because they have tons of hits on a previous album that we're going we're gonna to spotlight eventually. But, yeah. This is uh, this is sort of their last kind of hurrah. They they had this song, but they had a really even bigger song. We almost referenced. Uh, you guys remember? Oh, was that off of uh, Top Gun? That's correct. Okay, take my breath away. Take yeah. my breath away yeah. was the big song, and they had a disagreement on which direction they wanted to go in the music. Most of the guys kind of wanted to go in this kind of house dance music stuff, a little bit more rocking. And Terry wanted to go in the more softer stuff, and that's she ended up winning. So they did break up. But reformed, and now they're touring now. Now, was uh, this song on the charts? Because I don't recall. No, I don't remember. No, okay. that's that's one of the reasons why this this album didn't do it. But I mean, to me, it well, sounds like the other stuff. It's not that yeah. much of a departure. That's right. And, and that's the reason I like yeah. it. Yeah, and, it's and good. The, 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 the thing is, is, is what I like on this is it's if you listen to the lyrics a little bit, it's mirror, mirror, tell me no lies, never concealing the truth that I deny. So basically, Will Ever Stand You is basically her talking herself in the mirror. And ah. like, can you understand herself? So that's that. It was not like I at first when I first heard it, I thought she was talking about like a, a guy. You know, I mean, you goofy white boy. You know, can I ever understand you? You know, it, it wasn't like that. It was it was real more self-reflection. Do you guys remember that sh- uh, show on VH1 called Bands Reunited? I yes. saw one of those. Yeah. They did a Berlin. Oh, and really? Actually, Berlin. All the original members got back together, and they shared their stories about the band and uh, how they broke up and stuff. And it, they get they got back for a one night gig down in Hollywood. I went out to L.A. in '95 to work at KLSX, and that summer, or not later in August, uh, they did a show in a park, and it was Cheap Trick and Berlin and uh, the oh oh. I saw them uh, do that with uh, Asia was playing with them and uh, the Outfield. Yeah. Outfield, oh, Asia, yeah. Berlin, and Cheap Trick, I think, up here in Atlanta at one point. I wish I could remember the other band they had. A million miles away, uh, it was the Valley Girl soundtrack. I cannot remember of which band it was, but uh, it'll hit you great. about the time we're done with this. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. It might have been uh, Psychedelic Furs, even. Oh, yeah. might have been Psychedelic Furs. Uh, that's a good band. Yeah, yeah we, we spotlighted a couple of their songs already, and I think someone's got the album on our list to do eventually. My older brother used to say about Psychedelic Furs, they... Sound like David Bowie underwater to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, albums that came out in October 86. We had John Fogarty came out with uh, Eye of the Zombie. The Cowboy Junkies, I remember them. White off Earth Now. Aha, that's a great song. I've never heard the album. (laughs) I never heard the album, but the iconic video. The video is amazing. Fantastic. 
Then we had a little bit more heavy metal. Hair, Big Hair Slayer came out. And we talked about it already before, but the Talking Heads had True Lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that their last album? No, no, they put out Naked after that. That okay. was their last album. Then we had Saxon, kind of an older heavy metal group. Wayne Chung, I think they were going to do something tonight. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but <laughs> Then Frankie Goes to Hollywood had a follow-up album to their earlier. Did they? Early ones, I thought so. they broke up like almost immediately after releasing their album. And now we're going to do our comedy track. And also at that time, Weird Al had an album out. And it was called Polka Party. Wait, I thought this was Robert Palmer. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, this is not Robert Palmer. This is Addicted to Spuds, which is a parody of Addicted to Love. (laughs) Exactly. We got to give a a shout out to Tim Andrews. because Tim's a big Weird Al Yankovic fan. Oh, he loves him. Shout out to you, Tim. But, yeah. I thought Addicted to Love was a parody of uh, oh, I Took Her Home, My Car. I always oh, thought it was the same all right song. Now? Yeah, All Right Now. Yeah, yeah, I always thought it was the same song. But to continue on on the albums of October 86, Iggy Pop had Blah Blah Blah, Striper, To Hell with the Devil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Christian heavy metal group. Howard Jones, we're bouncing back and forth to, to heavy metal to pop. XTC. Rock set. I barely remember that. They had a huge one. I don't know if it was off that album. Rock set had a huge hit, I remember. Now, Crocus, Alive and Screaming, and you said you bought that album. I bought that album, and it was one of the first big letdowns of my life. I liked whatever song was on the radio. Screaming in the Night or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and I thought the, and then the album was just awful. <laughs> I mean, that was my opinion then, perhaps, if I heard it now. It's probably the last good album Eddie Money put out, like Can't Hold Back. You know, and he sort of fell off and then came back just recently. Uh, Bad Company, Fame and Fortune. Mm-hmm. Big Audio Dynamite. Now that was that was uh, Mick Jones. That was the um, kind of the rehash of the, of the Clash. Yeah, I think yeah. back, and so they had their album number ten, Upton Street. Chris Christopherson still putting out albums called Repossessed, and the Commodores put out United. I guess they're your funk album. Well, that's without Lionel Richie, of yeah. course. So. Well, they're yeah. still a good group. I mean, if you yeah. listen to some of that stuff, it, they're talented without well, Commodores. Are awesome. Yeah. Finally, we'll, we'll delve back into entertainment TV in 1986. Uh, Forrest Tucker dies. You guys remember him? He was on F Truth. That was on reruns. I used to see that all the time. Yeah, that's another one that wouldn't fly these days. I oh, don't imagine yeah. those reruns are uh, All the out Jewish there. guys playing Indians. <laughs> so who was the, oh, he was the, he, he was the older guy. He was the yeah. commander, and then Larry Storch was the weirdo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he was the sergeant, I think, whatever. Late Show with Joan Rivers first premiered on Fox, and I know that got her banned from anything. Well, Johnny uh, Carson got yeah. mad. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't allow her uh, to uh, ever come back. And then Double Dare, if you, if you had kids at the time or anything. I did. Golly. Slime. I probably, yeah, the slime. Yeah. That's where that came from. And finally, the biggest thing that happened in October of, of 86, in the bottom of the 10th inning, on TV, the New York Mets were playing the Boston Red Sox, and there was a single, or a ball hit right up to first base and went through whose legs? Bill Buckner. Buckner. Bill Buckner. I remember exactly where I was when that happened. I was living with the two other guys who were in a comedy group with me in a, this, it's half the size of the area we're in right now, and my buddy, Mark Cooper, rest in peace, was a huge Red Sox fan, 
and there's only the three of us in the small room, and he actually started to undo the champagne as he knew it was going to happen. Oh, I remember exactly where idea. I was. And the Mets would go on to win the World Series. Well, this has been What the Riff, October 1986. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. See you all next time. You've been listening to What the Riff? We hope you've enjoyed riffing with us and all the songs we had on tap today. Check out our website, whattheriff.com, to find a complete list of our blog and then find each track on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to listen to them again. Follow us on Facebook at What The Riff and let us know what artists you'd like us to feature in the future. Tell your friends about us and thank you to our sponsors, Stanton Electric and Marbury Creative Group. See you next time on What The Riff?